Well, good morning, Grace. How are we doing? You guys doing all right today? Everybody have their coffee? Those of you at home watching online, I hope you have your cup of coffee as well. Um, but thanks for joining us. My name's Mike, and I'm one of the pastors here at Grace. And it's great to continue this series that we, we've been in called I Promise. We're looking at different promises that God gives us so that we can live to our redeemed potential. Anybody want to live to their redeemed potential? All right. And today we're going to look at a promise, and we're going to be talking about temptation and a promise that God gives to us in the midst of temptation. Now, I want to start out setting the tone, okay, for this whole service. You know, we like response. And so here's what we're going to do. I want you to repeat after me. All right, here we go. Life is choices. Choices have consequences. So make the right choice. Amen. Let's go home. All right. Uh, parents, turn to your kids. Or maybe kids, turn to your parents. Or turn to the person next to you and just say, life is choices. Choices have consequences, so make the right choice. I wish it was that easy, right? I wish it was that easy. When I, uh, many years ago, before uh, moving into full-time uh, ministry, I worked for a national janitorial company, and uh, we cleaned department stores. We were actually the largest department store cleaning company in the United States, and we had over 7,000 employees, and I ran a part of the country for uh, for the organization, and we would go into stores. We would get hired by stores like Target or um, uh, Macy's or Bloomingdale's or Needless Markups. That's my word for Neiman Marcus, Needless Markups. Uh, and, and they would hire us to do their janitorial in, in their stores. And so uh, I would travel all over the, the East Coast, up and down the East Coast, and we would hire crews um, supervisors, managers to manage the cleaning in these stores. And before we launched a new account, before we launched a new store, uh, we would have everybody hired. We'd bring them together for some orientation, and we would spend some time going over policies and going over some training. And part of that training is we would always um, take them into the loss prevention office, Okay, that's the, that's the place, by the way, that you don't ever want to go when you're visiting a department store, okay, because that's the place that they, they bring you if you get caught stealing in the store. They take you to loss prevention, and they call the cops on you. It's not a fun thing. And so inside this loss prevention room are just uh, walls filled with monitors, and they have just a, most stores have just a, a, an incredible security system. They're able to zoom in their cameras in all sorts of ways, and kind of as a deterrent for our employees to make sure that they're making the right decision, the right choices, I would bring them in, and I would say, listen, uh, you're going to be tempted. You're, you're going to be, um, you know, running a vacuum cleaner next to a $1,500 dress. Yeah, I know. I know. It's crazy. But you will be. You, you'll, you'll be, you'll be um, going down the aisle next to a $500 pair of shoes, and uh, you're going to think that nobody's around. 
You're going to think that you're all there, you know, you're there by yourself and nobody's watching and then, you know, I can get away with this. And so I would always bring them into loss prevention and I would have them do this exercise where I would, would have them play around with the cameras and um, zoom in and oftentimes they would zoom in to uh, a cash register desk where there was a little handwritten note. They would find a little handwritten note. They'd be able to read the handwritten note with the video cameras, with the security cameras, all, all in an effort to say, don't even think about stealing. And then what I would do is I would say, listen, I, I would say there was, there was people that were a lot smarter than you that I had hired in the past, and they thought that they were smarter than the system. They thought that they were smarter than the loss prevention team, and uh, they made the mistake of, of, of stealing and trying to get away with it. And uh, many of them got caught, and I, I would get the call from uh, loss prevention manager, the store manager, and Mike, one of your employees, was, was caught stealing, and I would have to go and, and terminate them. Uh, and, uh, you know, they would be in tears. And, of course, you know, the cops were called, and, and, and it's on their record, right? They, they ruined their life. And I would always say something like this. Life is choices. Choices have consequences, so make the right choice, right? That, that's, that's life. That, that's life. And to complicate things for us as we journey through life, we have a spiritual enemy. His name's Satan. He's real. And uh, he has a mission. He has a mission to destroy your life. He has a mission to kill your life, to kill every, everything good in your life, and, and to rob you of the abundant life that is found in Jesus. And uh, there's actually a verse, John chapter 10, verses t- verse 10. We're going to put it up on the screen here. That has the mission statement of, of both Satan and Jesus in the same verse. Let's look at this verse together. It says this, the thief, that's Satan, he comes only to do what? what what's, what's he come to do? To steal and what? And kill and destroy. Okay, that's that's the mission statement of Satan. That's what he wants to do. He wants to steal something from us. He wants to kill something in us. And he wants to destroy something around us. And, and he's pretty good at what he does. He's had a lot of practice. And, and he's, he's very good. And he has a great strategy in order to do those things. The good news, what we sang about all morning and what we call the gospel The message of the gospel, the good news that we have this morning is found in the second part of John 10.10. And let's read this out loud together. It says this, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And I love that Jesus says, I've come that they may have life, but he doesn't stop there. There's a comma. See the comma there? And, and the comma is good news because uh, he, he not only wants to give you and me life, he wants to give us full life. He wants to give us abundant life. And sometimes we're tempted to think that that's far off. That's like when we go to heaven, right? Uh, but the truth of the matter is, is he wants to give you and he wants to give me abundant life right now. Right, right now, uh, today, uh, in the midst of everything that we are going through right now. And it's crazy, by the way, isn't it? Isn't it crazy out there? Like, I feel like I can't even, like, cough now anywhere around. Like, do you, do you worry about coughing? And it's like, you right? I mean, so th- things are crazy. I wake up every morning. Am I in the Truman Show? 
the movie, The Truman Show with Jim Carrey, where his whole life was, was kind of a, a, a reality show about him, right? I keep waking up. Is this all going to go away? Uh, but here's the, here's the thing. We need this message more than ever because we're tempted in all kinds of ways uh, now. I, I almost have to remind myself daily um, uh, about the promises of God and, uh, you know, follow the marching orders of Jesus every day. I have to wake up and say, okay, Lord, help my attitude. Help my attitude. I don't want to make poor choices with my attitude. It's so easy. I don't want to respond to that Facebook post in the way that I want to, right? I, I want to withhold. I, I, I don't want to lash out. I don't want to be up to here in anxiety, right, about what's going to happen this school year. Um, and, and, and so we, we, need to, uh, we need to bank on the promise that God gives us in the midst of of, of temptation. Life is choices. Choices have consequences. So let's make the right choice. We have good news. Uh, God has conquered death. That's good news. Amen? He's conquered death. He's given us freedom, and this is what it means to have this abundant life. So if you have your Bibles uh, at home, here at Grace, um, in person, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's turn in our Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to look at a couple of verses, but I want us to stand and, uh, and read a few verses together. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to read verses 11 through 13 out loud together. So when you find that, go ahead and stand to your feet. Let's read these verses together. Ready? Read. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You may have a seat. That's good news. Turn to the person next to you. Say, that's really good news. That is really good news. So I want to give you the context of what Paul, uh, who Paul is writing to and the context that he found himself in. Paul is writing this letter as a warning to this group of believers that are in, living in a town, a city called Corinth, okay? And this group of people are making some pretty poor choices, they're, they're making some pretty poor choices. The Corinthians were bringing the world into the church instead of bringing the church into the world. And Paul is going to give a little bit of a history lesson to the Corinthian church and to us this morning to remind us how we need to live our lives in the midst of, of temptation. Now, Corinthians Corinth, is, it was a melting pot of all kinds of different thoughts and ideas and philosophies and religion. It was a trading city. It was a, a, a piece of land in between two bodies of water, and so it was a port city. And so people would come and visit there from all over the known world, and they would bring their uh, different ideas and their different um, you know, concepts and different religion. And the church was, was taking, uh, you know, what was happening in the world around them, and they were making some pretty poor choices. 
And, and so let's take a look at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10. Go to verse 1. Let, let's look a little bit of, of what, what Paul is going to do. He's going to give a history lesson to the Israelites. Let's look at um, what he says here in verse 1. He says this. He tells the church, tells us this morning, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors, these are the Israelites, they were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. So far, so good. So far, so good. Uh, what, what we see is that there was a group of people who seemed to have it made at this point of, of the story. The Israelites, they were God's chosen people. God picked them, not because they were anything special, but because God just picked them. He, he, he sovereignly picked them to be his chosen people. And, um, and, and we know from history that they were living in Egypt. They found themselves, uh, because of a famine, ha- need, needing to move to, to Egypt to get food. And, and, and before long, they were turned into to slaves under an oppressive uh, government by Pharaoh. And they cried out to God, which is a, a good thing to do when we're hurting, right? We should cry out to God. And that's what they did. They cried out to God. And God heard their cry, and he delivered them. Right? He used Moses to lead them and uh, pro- provided a way out, provided a way of escape for the Israelites. They, they, um, they were able to, to cross the Red Sea on dry land, and everything was great. God's special people. But look at verse 5, and look at the first word in verse 5, and I want you to say it out loud for me, really loud so I can hear you. What's the first word, word there in verse 5? Nevertheless, that's not a good word, okay? That's not a good word. That's a signal word that things are about to go the wrong direction, okay? So, so they had this amazing, abundant life, this promised land that they were going to experience. Uh, they, they all had the same opportunity to make the same good choice, to make the same right choice, because right life is choice, life is choices, and Choices have consequences, and we need to make the right choice. But nevertheless, it says God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. See, here's, here's what we know about history of the Israelites. They made a poor trade. They made a really poor trade. And, and I want you to know this today. Giving into temptation... Giving into temptation, whatever that temptation is, giving into temptation is always a poor trade. It's always a poor trade. And it's a poor trade of long term abundance for short term happiness. That's what, that's what temptation is when we give into it. Temptation in itself isn't a sin, it's not a sin to be tempted. Right? We know Jesus was tempted. We're going to be looking at that in a little bit. Jesus was tempted. We are going to be tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted, but it's a sin to give into temptation. And when we give into temptation, I want you to visualize this. It's, it's, poor, it's a poor trade of a long-term abundance for a short-term happiness. Uh, in other words, we trade things that are really, really good to get something that's not so good. For example, 
I don't know about you, but it feels really good when I get to the end of a long day at night to lay my head on a pillow and to know that I live my life with integrity, right? That makes me feel really, really good uh, about life, right? Well, some people will trade the ability to lay their head on a pillow at night uh, and sleep knowing that they've lived a life of integrity by cheating on their taxes, uh, by, by, by trying to take advantage of the system to get a little more money so that they can buy something that they think will bring them happiness, right? So that's a trade that people are, are willing to make, right? And, and those choices have consequences. Uh, another a trade that sometimes we make is I, I like the, the, the idea of knowing when I wake up in the morning and I, 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 I spend some time in God's Word and I try to get my attitude in, in, in check. Do you guys know what I'm saying, right? I, I have to leave the house with a good attitude uh, because otherwise the people that I rub shoulders with and I work with, um, I'm going to make their life miserable as well as my own, right? And, and so... Some people will trade the ability to kind of uh, spread this, you know, uh, good news in the workplace or positivity in the work pl- workplace uh, for a moment, a slice of life, a moment to be able to vent and create negativity that kind of just uh, spoils the whole atmosphere, right? We have that ability to do that, right? And that's a trade that we make. Uh, for some of you in this room, you are faced with the trade. Um, you have this ability to have a very rich, um, a, a very healthy um, emotional intimacy in your marriage. And um, it, it's a, that's, a, that's an, a value of a healthy marriage is this, this rich, vibrant, emotional intimacy with, with your spouse, Right? And there are times that we trade that emotional intimacy, that healthy emotional intimacy uh, for an image on a screen that will give you a few moments of pleasure and leave you feeling terrible afterwards, right? So this is this trade that we make. And life is, is, is like your traders, your day traders, right, in, in, in the area of choices. And, um, and so giving into temptation is always a poor trade. It's always a poor trade, and, and uh, I, I think we know that. Uh, the trick is, how do we, how do we um, position ourselves that in the heat of the moment when we need to make an instant decision, an instant choice, that we make the right one? I think that's, that's the key that hopefully we unpack here uh, in a little bit. God, on, God promised the Israelites a land flowing with milk and honey. These, these group of people that are g- making their way through the wilderness uh, over to the land of Canaan that was promised uh, them. It's interesting when you, do, when you look at the map and you kind of uh, do the math of, of how long it would take to kind of walk across uh, from where they were to where they were going. It's about 11 days. That, that's about the trip that it would take on a good, on a, on a, you know, in a good season of life when you're making good choices, right? And, and we know that instead it turned into a 40-year wandering in the wilderness because of a series 
of really bad choices. Paul, he's going to drill down a little bit on the specific temptations that led them to their wandering in in the wilderness. Look at verse 6. Look at verse 6 in in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul says this, now these things occurred as what? As examples to keep what? To keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. So in other words, uh, Paul's going to say, okay, listen up. Let, let's look at the, at the life of the Israelites. Let's look at their example so that you don't make the same mistakes. And that's the beauty of, uh, of Scripture is that we can learn. And uh, we can learn at those that, that messed it up. And we can learn at those that did it right. And this is an example of, of, of a group of people that didn't, didn't do so well. But, but verse 6 says, these things occurred. Give us an example to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. See, when we, we fall into temptation, it's always a matter of the heart. It's not a matter of behavior. The behavior kind of changes with the different flavors of temptation, but it's always an issue of the heart. When we, when we make a choice to sin against God, to fall into temptation, it's because we set our heart on evil things in that moment, whatever it is. If we lash out in anger, guess, what, guess why? It's because we set our heart on that evil thing, and, and so we lashed out in anger. If we give in and we commit adultery, it's because we set our heart on evil things, and we made a, we made a bad choice. And so anytime uh, we, we fall into temptation, it really comes down to this thing called identity in our lives. It comes down to our identity. And when I speak of our identity, I'm talking about who we are in Christ. The things that God says about you. The things, how God sees you. How, how, how God views us as forgiven. Uh, his, his forgiven kids. Um, and, and that's called our identity. And that means everything when it comes to the choices that we make. In your notes, there, if you want to, if you're taking notes, anytime we misplace our identity, it will lead us into idolatry. Every time we misplace our identity, it will lead us into idolatry. So let's go back to to the passage, verse seven. Uh, Paul says, "Don't be idolaters, as some of them were." As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ, as some of them did, and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble, as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angels. So this, this all amounts to idolatry. It's, a, it's idolatry. It's letting anything or anyone take the place of God and drive the decisions in our life. Anytime we do that, that's called idolatry. And, and like the Israelites, we forget who we are in Christ. We forget. And we begin to ignore God's best. That's what we do. And when we do, we get impatient, right? We tell God we're not willing to wait for your best. When we get ahead of God and we fall into the trap of, of impatience that the Israelites did, they got impatient. Moses was up on the mountain. He was receiving the Ten Commandments. They got impatient. They wanted to get ahead of God. 
They didn't, they ignored God's best. They said, we can do it better, right? They made a graven image and they started worshiping it. That's idolatry and that's what we do with all sorts of things in our life when we get impatient and we get ahead of God and His timing. We get impatient. We indulge in all kinds of sinful behaviors and, and patterns. And when we do that, we, we say to God, we're not fulfilled by your best, God. We're not, we're not fulfilled by, by your best. And, and so we seek to find fulfillment in other things. That's why, you know, when you, when you see someone who has a drug addiction, who has an alcohol addiction, who has a porn addiction, um, it really is a longing of their heart to find fulfillment. That should, that, when you see someone like that, like you shouldn't get angry or, 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 you know, mad at them for that. That should cause compassion to well up in you because you know what will bring fulfillment to them, right? You know what will bring fulfillment. They're just trying to chase fulfillment, right? And we do this with addictions, but we also do this just every day. We, 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 we get ahead of God. We're impatient. We're not fulfilled by God's best, and we do the same thing. We grumble about everything, right? We're not happy with God's best. We don't trust that God is going to work all things together for good. And so we're not happy with God's best, so we grumble about it. We complain about it. We go to Facebook about it, right? And, and, and that's what we do. And we end up, in that moment, trading the promised land for wandering in the wilderness. That's what we end up doing. We're trading this abundant life that God wants to give you and me through Jesus and what he's accomplished on the cross. Uh, and, and we trade that away uh, by wandering in the wilderness. And some of you are miserable as a result of that. So temptation is a battle of identity. The enemy knows this. He uses this against us all the time. Turn to Matthew chapter 4. Turn to Matthew chapter 4. We're going we're gonna to look at uh, when Jesus was tempted. Um, Matthew chapter 4. Let's look at this together. Matthew chapter 4, it says this in verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. That's an understatement, right? He was hungry. The tempter came to him, and look at what the tempter did. Look at how Satan works. He goes after identity, okay? He goes after identity. Look at this. He said this. He said, well, what were the three, three words that the enemy said? Say it, say it out. Come on, help me out. If you are, right? That's what he said. If you are are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. Look at what he said. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him 
only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. It's always a battle of identity. Temptation is always a battle of identity. Now, you might say, well, we need to know the Bible inside and out. We need to be able to quote Scripture at the enemy when he comes to us just like Jesus did. And, and by the way, that's a good strategy to do. That's, that's really good. Uh, you know, God's Word says, you know, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. We should have an arsenal of Scripture at our disposal when we need it. But here's what I want you to see in this passage. While I believe quoting Scripture to the enemy is, is, is good and we should, we should do that, I think there's something else here for us, something about our identity. Uh, because um, if you look at verse th- or chapter 3, look at chapter 3 at the very end, uh, Jesus was baptized. He was baptized before he was launching into public ministry. And at his baptism, look at verse 13. It says this. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I'm the one that needs to be baptized by you, and you come to me. But Jesus said, Okay, let it be so now. It's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, look what happened. He went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. Verse 17, and a voice from heaven said, what, what, what did the voice say? Say it out loud. This is my what? This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. His identity was given, Jesus' identity was given by the Father in that moment. And and I I believe that as, as Jesus was being tempted by Satan in the wilderness, that what was ringing in Jesus' ears was this is my son whom I love. I I think Satan was trying to get at his identity. If you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, and I think that's the strategy of the enemy in our lives as well. Satan will try to go after your identity by reminding you of things that maybe you did in your past, right? Uh, You know, well, if you called yourself uh, a follower of Christ, then why did you do that last night? Why did you, uh, why did you have that outburst yesterday? If, if, you, if you are a, a believer, uh, why did you do that? Why did you say that? Why did you go there? And Satan will always try to go after our identity. So it's so important that we, that we lock in every single day on who we are in Christ. It is what gives us the power to be able to say no to temptation when it comes knocking at our door. I, I say it like this, our identity is what gives us the ability to say no to stupidity, okay? Our identity is what gives us the ability to say no to stupidity. See, it's not our willpower, it's the power of his will, it's not like try harder, 
uh, you know, it's willpower if I just had enough willpower. No, it's, it's the power of God's will for our life because he saved us, he's redeemed us, he's chose us before the foundation of the world. We are his masterpiece and, and, to, and that God prepared in advance for us to do, right? And, and so we line up our will to his will, our identity to who he says we are, and, and we are able to say no to temptation when it comes knocking at our door. The enemy always tries to appeal to our sinful nature. But we have to, have to remember that we have a new identity. We have a new identity in, in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you know this, right? The new creation has come. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone. The new is here. And so we embrace the identity that we have, who Jesus says we are, who God says we are, what God says about us. And it enables us to do what Romans 12.2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. I want to leave you this morning with a strategy, a strategy for fighting temptation. And I want to give you three things, and you may want to write these down. The first thing is this. As we fight temptation, as things are being thrown at us every single day, the choices that we make, I want, I want you to remember these three things. Number one, understand your pattern of temptation. Understand your pattern of temptation. Look at verse 12 in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's look at verse 12, and it says this. It says, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Oftentimes the enemy will come after us after a victory. When things are going well in your life, when you're on track with your Uversion Bible app reading plan, you finally caught up. You were like 17 days behind and you got caught up and you're feeling good, right? And, and, and we're feeling good about where we're at and that's when the enemy will often come at us. So Paul is saying like when you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall because our enemy's crafty. He knows he knows the pattern of temptation that works for you in your life. And so we have to understand our pattern of temptation. I want to give you some questions that you can maybe think through to determine your pattern of temptation. First one is this. When am I most tempted? Like, really think about that. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, maybe it's a habitual um, sinful pattern that you find yourself in, I want you to think about, okay, when am I most tempted in this area? Uh, when am I most tempted in this area? So uh, for me, when I'm on track and eating healthy, right, and I have a plan in place, for me, breakfast is a breeze, no problem whatsoever. Smoothie, green smoothie, all the good stuff in there. I mean all the good stuff, right? And, and, and then lunch comes around, well, that's easy, easy, easy peasy. No problem. I just pack, you know, a couple hard-boiled eggs and a couple carrot sticks. I'm golden, right? But when I get home from work and I walk into the kitchen 
and I, 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 I open up that dreaded bottom shelf in my cabinet. That's, that's the time for me. That's the when I am most tempted to make poor choices. Anybody relate to that at all? Right? Okay. Some of you are like going like this to your, your spouse. Um, when am I most tempted? It's a good question to ask. And, and maybe do something about that. Be on high alert when you know that's the time that I'm, I'm, I'm most tempted. Another question, where am I most tempted? Where am I most tempted? Is there a place connected with the temptation? Is it that it's uh, on your way home, you uh, drive a certain way and it triggers you to temptation or something? I don't know, but where, where am I most tempted? Maybe go home a different way. Maybe, maybe go uh, in the opposite of direction uh, of where you're most tempted, right? Another question is, who is with me when I am most tempted? Who, who am I with? Uh, teenagers, you know, this is a really good, good thing to ask yourself. You find yourself making poor choices, um, look, at, look at who you're hanging with. Look at who you're spending your time with. Who is with you when you are tempted. Another great question to ask is, what is the temporary benefit I am trading in on? What, what's, the, what's the temporary benefit I'm, I'm giving away? Um, it's, it's kind of like uh, telling yourself what you stand to lose before you lose it. That's a really good thing. Like, what, what am I trading away here? Well, if I do that, I am going to wreck my life in this area, in this area, in this area, and this area. What is, what's the trade that I'm making here? And does it make sense? Chances are it, it doesn't make sense, right? And, 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 and we need to use that question to help inform us. And then another question is, how do I feel right before I am tempted? How, how do you feel right before you are tempted? Um, I, I'll be honest, man, I, when I'm tired, I'm not at my best. Um, when, I, when I'm tired, right? And so our emotions tend to get the best of us for, for each of us at different times. And there's, there's a timing. And husbands, you know the best time to bring something up to your, to your wife, right? Wives, you know the best time to bring something up to your husband. But when, when, how do you feel right before you're tempted? Try to name it. Try to, try to think about that because we have to understand our pattern of temptation so that we can change our pattern. If we don't understand our pattern, we're going to continue to be in this pattern of, of sinful behavior. So understand your pattern of temptation. Number two, don't try to fight the temptation alone. Don't try to fight the temptation alone. Look at verse 13 of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 13 says this. It says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. So, I think what the enemy tries to do in our lives is to get us to think that we're the only human that's dealing with what we're going through right now. Do you ever feel that way? Like you're, you're going through something and you just keep it to yourself. You don't even tell anybody. You don't want to tell anybody. You're, you're kind of ashamed to bring up some weakness in your life because you think that nobody else is struggling with the same thing that you're, you're struggling with. And, there, and there's good news by what Paul is telling us because he's saying no temptation has overtaken you except what is common 
to mankind. Every temptation that you will ever face is common to mankind. There is no unique temptation. You don't have the corner, I'm sorry, but you don't have the corner on a unique temptation. There's somebody battling that same temptation that you are, and that's what the enemy wants us to think. And so we withdraw. We, we try to fight it on our own. We, we try to, to say, okay, I, I don't need the help of anyone else. And I'm here to say, don't try to fight it on your own. Get help. Get help. Talk to someone. Get counseling. Get accountability. Join a small group. Join Fight Club. Ladies, come to, come to Unscripted. Come to Flourish. Surround yourself with people that will help you and, and confess your sins one to another. And, and that's, that's how God designed the body of Christ to work. He, you know God didn't design us to show up for an hour and a half every Sunday and go home and live our lives unchanged. That's not how God designed us. He designed us to live in community with one another and, and to encourage one another. So don't try to fight temptation alone. Tell somebody. That's your assignment this week is to tell somebody about your, your temptation. Pick, pick somebody. Don't tell everybody, okay? We, I don't want to see your temptation on Facebook. Uh, we all don't want to see that, trust me. But, you know, call a trusted friend. Call, call a group of, uh, of, of dudes that, that you surround your life with that, you know, they're not living life perfect, but, you know, they're, they're, they're doing the best they can. And, and tell them, hey, you know, I could really use some prayer and accountability. I'm really struggling in this area. Don't try to fight temptation alone. And then lastly, realign and reset your identity in Christ daily. Realign and reset your identity in Christ daily. It's this word that uh, we, we call repentance. It's a, it's, a, it's a spiritual word, and it, calls, and it means turn, turn in the other direction. It's repentance. It's saying, okay, uh, I, am, uh, I am making choices based on what I want, and I'm going to turn in this direction. I'm going to start making choices based on what God wants. And I'm realigning and I'm resetting my identity in Christ daily. It's, it's praying a prayer every single day. Uh, I, I love, my wife models this for me and does a really good job at this. Um, she kind of, you know, she, my, my wife is a slow to rise kind of person. I love you, honey, but uh, she's a slow to rise kind of person. And, um, but she, so she kind of wakes up. Uh, I, she she kind of wakes up and she slides off of the bed onto her knees. It's a good transition, um, I, and, and she, but she slide, kind of slides off the bed. Her eyes aren't even open yet, but she slides off the bed and onto her knees. That's a good way to start the day. That's a good way to, to say, you know, I'm going to align and reset my identity before I even open my eyes in, in the morning. And, and it's, it's like praying this prayer that we find in, in Psalm 139, uh, 23 and 24 where the psalmist says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's this reset. It's reminding yourself every single day who you are in Christ, what Christ says about you. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. Jesus was tested and tempted in the wilderness, and he passed the test. He passed 
the test. Jesus passed the test for you. He, he passed the test for me. Uh, you know, if we took that same test, guess what? Fail. We wouldn't make it, but Jesus passed the test. That's the, the good news. And so we lean in to the power of the one who passed the test on our behalf, and we align our thoughts. We align our affection. We align our marching orders to him. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, it says this, and I'll leave you with this. It says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. He passed the test. Scripture says it this way, yet he did not sin. And then it says this, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let's pray. Lord, this is hard stuff. Uh, we find ourselves in unprecedented time in history uh, where uh, things are being thrown at us from every direction and it's so easy, Lord, to start our days off just looking at everything that's wrong instead of looking at everything that's right. And, uh, Lord, we confess to you right now that uh, there have been areas of our lives where we've, um, we've allowed our identity to be uh, misguided. We've forgotten who we are in you. Uh, we've become idolaters, and, and uh, we, we've, we've put something or someone ahead of uh, what you want for us, God. And so we confess that to you. We realign our identity on you. We run to you, God. We don't walk. We run to you in confidence, approaching your throne of grace and mercy. Lord, forgive us. Help us in our weakness. We're thankful, God, that uh, you empathize with what we're going through, that you pass the test for us. And so we run to you. Jesus' name, amen.